Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. You've been busting ass to get ready for the big climb, but as the day gets nearer, you're feeling more and more discouraged. Despite all your work and effort, you're still slower than Susie, who is five years older, 10 pounds heavier, and eats Cheetos on trail. It's just not fair. Friend, if you're worried that you're not making progress in training, know that you're not alone. So many athletes struggle with self-doubt during training. Sometimes they're running into normal performance plateaus, but sometimes they would benefit from making some changes. So in today's episode, I'm going to show you how to figure out what's normal progress and how to troubleshoot when you think you've stalled out. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, how you doing? I am good. I am, as you probably guessed, listening to this podcast, kind of going through a season where there's a lot going on in my life. And a lot of times my emotions are kind of tired and all over the place. And a lot of times my mind is tired, my body is tired. It all goes together, right? So I actually had an interesting experience yesterday where I went out scrambling with some friends. And scrambling to me is can be a little bit anxiety provoking. Like a lot of you, I struggle with fear of heights, especially early in the season. It's a little bit tough sometimes. And so this is one of the first scrambles. And normally when I'm facing something like that, kind of my instinct is to really just like beat myself up. I'm like, no, you need to go and do that. I'm kind of a stern taskmaster (laughs) to myself. And, you know, yesterday I was feeling a little bit low energy and just not like, like taking a lot of physical risks. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let myself like be okay with that. Like anytime there's like a problem I don't want to do, I'm going to walk around it if I can. And 
that's just going to be fine. So I did exactly that. It's something that I <laughs> have a really hard time doing. It was definitely a change. It was definitely a challenge. And the people I with were like amazing. They didn't say anything to me about it or bother me about it. I think they kind of got my vibe and where I was at. And you know, what was amazing was it felt good. It felt safe. I, I was enjoying, you know, just being out in nature, out with friends and not having to push myself. And then suddenly to Towards, as we started going along, I just started feeling better. I'm like, oh, I do want to scramble this and I do want to try this thing that looks a little bit scarier. So it's kind of amazing when we let ourselves just be ourselves, don't beat ourselves up, kind of be with ourselves in the moment, be present and just, you know, kind to ourselves. What a difference that can make in our willingness to take risks, try things. And I don't know, I hope that's something that's helpful to you. Maybe you can take out on the mountain as you're starting to get into these summer trips where we're doing harder stuff, scrambling, you know, be kind to yourself out there. I think that's always a good thing and that's always the best way to get the best from yourself. So let's dive into the topic for today. We're talking about troubleshooting lack of progress in training. So this is a problem that comes up so often in my community, comes up with my students, comes up with my clients. A lot of people really feel like they should be able to do more, especially once they're a couple months into training. They worry that something has gone wrong. They worry that they've been missing some kind of secret sauce or maybe that there's I even run into people. And I've actually experienced this also. I'm like, is there something wrong with my body? Do I have like early onset heart disease that's making me just not as, as fast as I think I should be or not as strong as I think I should be. And if this is you, just know that this is super common. And the answer to is something wrong is maybe yes and maybe no. One of the things you do need to figure out before you dive into troubleshooting is, is there really a problem? So sometimes that I see people thinking there's a problem when maybe there's not is when they're feeling really tired during high volume training weeks, especially as you're approaching your peak training, those really long hikes, those really long runs. For those of you who are runners, you are going to be more tired. You are going to be like, feel that tiredness during the day. You are going to fall into bed tired at night. And what that also means is when you go out for a long run or a long hike, you're not going to go as fast. Your performance may be slower because of all the volume you're doing. This is perfectly fine. It's perfectly okay. It's the way that we design training programs to actually work this way. And that's why you're not doing generally a lot of really high intensity, like VO2 max work, like in the last few weeks of training, because you're so tired just with the volume alone. This can also show up earlier for those of you who are in VO2 max or lactate threshold blocks of training. If you're doing a hard week of either one of those, you will also may feel tired and may not be going as fast, may not be performing as well. That doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. It's just kind of the way training works. Another trap folks fall into is comparing yourself to others, whether that's your peers. I myself, like, have like the fastest peers. Like they, I always say they, like they are my best teachers. Cause you know, I learned to just be fine. Like being the last one in the group every single time they are blazing fast. They are so much fun, but yeah, I'm not as fast as them and comparing myself to them, even when I'm really, really fit for me and can do amazing things and do all the things I want to, I'm still not as fast as them. So, you know, being not as fast as the people you see doesn't mean anything has gone 
wrong. It just might mean that, you know, some people are just faster than others for a number of factors. If you listen to the pacing episode I recorded, we dive into some of the reasons that the fittest person is not always necessarily the fastest person. And I think that that I got a lot of feedback that was helpful for people to listen to. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Another trap that we fall into is just being plain old too hard on ourselves. Like a lot of times as athletes, we don't necessarily have realistic expectations of the amount of change and the rate of change that's possible for our bodies. We have a lot of internalized expectations from our peers, from our culture, from social media, from following up on our favorite athletes that really kind of mess with us. So a great example is my running times. I'm a pretty slow runner. If you've ever met me, you probably can see like in one second why I'm really short. My legs are short. My legs are very muscular and a little bit heavy around the calf. So, you know, not the world's greatest running physique, right? But whenever I first started running or getting back into running a couple of years ago, I was running 13 minute miles, which just seemed like so unacceptable. And I can now run like 10 minute miles. Like I've improved a lot in two years, but damn, (laughs) there is a part of me that thinks I should be running like seven minute miles that is not satisfied. And if I really am honest with myself, I don't think I've run like a seven minute mile probably since high school, maybe ever, honestly, maybe ever in my life. But, you know, because I see times and races and, you know, run with other people who are faster, I kind of feel like that's where I should be. And there's absolutely no reason. It's just a thing I made up in my brain and I use it to mess with myself. You may have something similar to this or be able to relate. Another thing that people used to beat up on themselves that really isn't completely valid is that a lot of times we expect ourselves to see training results too fast. Endurance training, by definition, is a very slow process. And when we're new to training, it can actually take four to six weeks for us to see any results at all. And this is especially true if we're starting as we should as a new athlete with things that are lower intensity. Generally, the lower the intensity, the longer it's going to take for you to actually see results with that. So just keep that in mind, especially if this is something that is a little bit new to you. And sometimes that progress when it comes, comes on so slowly, it's even a little bit hard for us to spot. So given all this, how do you know when you really start? and you need to make some changes. One thing I ask athletes to do if they're in this bind is to start measuring their progress once a cycle. So if you're on a four-week training cycle, meaning you build for three weeks, rest for one week, you're going to test yourself once a cycle. I recommend doing it after your easy week. So you're doing it when you're rested, ready to go. And what I want you to do is just find a a nice hike or run by your house, maybe something that takes you about an hour to do normally and go out and do that. Maybe like once a cycle and go as fast as you can and check your progress. Just see how you're doing as far as your pace. And also, how are you feeling? Are you feeling stronger going up the hills? Are you feeling energized at the end of the workout and not completely defeated like maybe you did at the beginning? So just having that once a cycle assessment, it's just a reality check for your brain and it can really help to see when you're making progress, like give you an actual time that you can track and also see like when maybe you're a little bit stalled out and maybe need to do some troubleshooting. So if you do need to do some troubleshooting, let me just go through a couple of areas where people sometimes tend to 
get stuck. So the first one I want you to check is consistency. So we talk a lot about consistency on this program. And one of my big messages to you is that you don't have to be perfectly consistent to be a good athlete. Life happens during training. We all choose to miss or shorten workouts. Sometimes these are for really good reasons. And this is how it should be. Life is not all about endurance training, mountaineering. Life is about so much more than that. And The irony is most people worry too much about small inconsistencies. They think that they took a day off to go to their kid's soccer game and now everything is over when really the truth is that endurance training involves so much volume. Missing one workout once in a while isn't going to hurt you. You really have to think about all the work that you're putting in over the season and see that that's a drop in the bucket. However, all that being said, there are some people for whom inconsistency is a problem. And interestingly, they don't always realize it's a problem. Sometimes it's, it can be a little bit hard to tell, especially if you're, you know, missing some workouts, but still getting a lot in. If you're kind of in that border zone, like what is enough? So I'll give you a couple of numbers here to do a hard or moderate endurance event. So for example, if you're running a trail marathon or a 50K, you need to work your way up to doing about six hours of high quality cardio training per week. And you need to hold that consistently for at least one training cycle, generally three to five weeks, in order to be really well prepared for your event. And keep in mind, six is kind of the minimum. If you can go above six, I have clients that go up to 10. 10 is generally what I can handle working full time and not being a sponsored athlete. That's great too. But kind of keeping six as a pretty good benchmark is a good way to go. And how do you know if you're getting kind of that minimum baseline each week? What's really, really important to do is to make sure you're tracking your progress by tracking your workouts. So we have so many great apps that can help you with it right now, too, that I really love are Strava and Training Peaks. Both are free. Training Peaks is a little bit more complicated. Strava is a little bit like more intuitive. But yeah, they're both really great. And the free version of them works just fine. You really just need to see your time for the week. And also, if there are any other numbers that you want to track, Things like, are you getting enough vert? Are you getting enough intensity? If you work with heart rate data, you can also track those on those apps as well. But the time is a really good one. And you can also, if you flag the workouts, your index workouts, that can also help you to easily review and see if you're making progress over time. So as far as consistency, just making sure that you're making good progress, that you're on track to do about at least six hours a week for the the final peak cycle. That's a good rule of thumb as far as consistency. Another thing I want you to look at is quality. Sometimes we're putting in training time, but we're not delivering high quality workouts. And there's a number of reasons this could be. Probably one of the really common ones I see is not resting enough. There are people that don't cycle. They just build and build and build every week for four months. And And they expect that that's going to make them stronger when it's actually not giving them enough time to recover and they're actually getting weaker. So then that can affect the quality of their workouts. Not getting enough sleep is another one. If you've ever had like a really tough 
night where you've been up all night and then you try to go out and do, for example, a lactate threshold workout the next day where you had to push yourself a little bit hard and it's a little bit painful, you're just not in the mindset to do that because you're so tired, your mind is tired and unfocused, and the body is also feeling the effects. Another thing that can trip people up is not paying attention to nutrition. And it's not so important what you eat all the time, but what you eat before and during your workout that a lot of people tend to overlook especially before your long workouts. You want to make sure that your glycogen stores are nice and full, eating a high-carb diet, especially in the days right before, and then making sure you eat something before your workout, like maybe 30 to 60 minutes before you have a high-carb snack, and then making sure you're eating consistently during your workouts, keeping that blood sugar up. These are all skills you can learn. I'll drop a link to a podcast I did about fueling during your workout that might have some additional tips that are helpful if you feel like that's a problem for you. Another thing that can hurt the quality of your workouts is your emotional health. If you're showing up to workouts distracted, stressed out, mentally drained, that's going to have an impact. People like really discount emotions and they don't realize that emotions actually cause physiological reactions and stress in our body. Like whenever you're thinking about like a common example, like your boss that you have a lot of conflict with, you feel angry, it makes your heart rate speed up. It makes your stress hormones surge. And like all of that, if that's happening in your body all day long when you're at work, of course that's going to affect you when you go to work out. And over time, it can have a really big effect on you. So your emotional health, it's so important. And then working, there are some other ones like working out at the wrong time of day for you. I, if every human has a circadian rhythm, most of us kind of do better working out in the late morning to early afternoon. There are people that do really well working out early morning, there are people that probably should work out like after work or even in the evening. So it's just kind of figuring out if your workout is like matching up to when you have your highest physical energy level. And then things like poor planning, going out in a hurry, forgetting to bring water and food because you just haven't like taken the time to pack your bag the night before. If you consistently are doing things like that, like that can also cut into the quality of your workouts as well. So what's the best way to catch this and troubleshoot this? The best way I think is to grade your workouts. So I have my clients grade their workouts on an A to F scale. So A being I did the workout and as assigned and it was, it was easy. Like I could have kept going and then maybe C is, man, I, I did this, but, you know, I kind of maybe struggled through it. D, I, you know, struggled to finish. F, I totally didn't finish. And so you want to give yourself a grade or sometimes there's little tools in your workout. Like I think Training Peaks has smiley faces. You can use those too, whatever works. But you also want to keep notes on what's going well and what's going wrong. So for example, if you took off, if your workout was poor quality because you took off out the door and didn't take any food with you, yeah, make sure you write that down. And when you're doing your troubleshooting, that allows you to look back through your notes, kind of look for patterns. Like maybe there are some things that you can do, just even like little tweaks to your routine or your lifestyle that can really make a big difference. So workout quality, really important. Last one I'm going to talk about is workout dosage. So this is one that's getting a little bit more into the weeds of exercise science, but I, I do think it's useful to know. So I'm going to mention it here. And when we talk about 
dosage, here's what I mean. It means that we get stronger by stressing our bodies. And that may sound strange, but whenever we stress our body, like we go out for a hard climb with our heavy backpack, we actually make little tears in our muscles. And what that does is it elicits a healing response. And if you think about like a broken bone, when it heals, it's stronger at the broken place. The same is true for our bodies, for our muscles, for our cardiovascular system, for all our systems, really. Whenever we stress them, they get weaker. But then if we rest, they're able to come back and be stronger. And over time, they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's the whole point of training, that we kind of keep pushing ourselves upward with this cycle of stress and rest. So (laughs) what does this all mean about dosage? In order to really see improvement in different areas of fitness, you have to make sure that you're giving yourself enough stress to elicit a strong enough healing response. So what happens? a lot of times is we have a beginner, maybe they're just wading into exercise, maybe they're just not able at this point, like physically, psychologically, put enough stress on their body to get that really amazing response. It doesn't mean that what they're doing is worthless or that they're not getting any response at all, but they're, you know, because their stresses that they can tolerate are lower, then their responses may be lower and it may take more time and they may not get to the peak of like a seasoned athlete that's used to working through a lot of discomfort and really pushing themselves hard. So if you're just a beginner and and you're like, this is landing with you, know that that's normal and know that as you progress in your training life, you do more things, you try more things, it is going to be easier for you both psychologically and even physically to push yourself harder. You will actually feel less pain once you are fitter, once you are more experienced. But if you're someone who's pretty seasoned and able to do hard work, you may really want to take a look at your dosage and just make sure that it's really on point, that you're giving yourself the right amount of stress during your workouts. And because each energy system in our body If you're like energy systems, what's that? It's basically the aerobic, the anaerobic, and then the VO2 max. They all actually require different dosages in order to improve. So let me just break down by energy system and I'll tell you kind of what dosage you need. So, and if you want to review on energy systems, I've I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. Really useful stuff to know, especially as you get into the higher levels of training. So In order to train your VO2 max, to raise your VO2 max, so you're able to use more oxygen, this is really useful, especially for those of you who are going to high altitude. You have to do very, very intense work on a scale of one to 10, it's pretty much a 10, (laughs) for about 12 minutes. And you don't need to do it for 12 minutes straight. Like, please don't try to do that. No one does that. (laughs) Break it into little intervals. So whether that's six times two minutes, four times three minutes, you're recovering in between these. But within one workout, a couple times a week, you want to be training that energy system, especially during those times of your training when you're focused on VO2 max. To raise your lactate threshold, your body's, kind of, I always call it your body's second gear that you can shift into. It's where you can do a little bit of extra work, you can make some acid and still be able to perform, still be able to work at that higher intensity for a while without too much pain. So for lactate threshold, you're going to want to do about 
a minimum of 30 minutes of work. I like to break it into three 10-minute intervals. And the intensity of these, generally on a scale of one to 10, it's going to be an eight or a nine. It's still pretty high. And then you're going to do your aerobic work, the one you're training, that main foundational energy system, the one that keeps you going for six, 12, 16 hours on summit day. And that's the one that generally needs about six hours, as I was saying earlier, of quality cardio a week. That You don't want these workouts to be too hard. You want to, on a scale of one to 10, probably be between a four and a six, you know, five, six is a good place people hang out. Sometimes these will be your training hikes. So it might be a little bit higher when you're going uphill, lower when you're going downhill, but try to keep in that nice conversational aerobic zone where you're not pushing too hard. Breathing is not too hard. A lot of people feel like that's not training when they're there. They tend to discount it, but that is really where the magic happens, especially if you can give it enough time. Time is important too, especially for these aerobic workouts. Try to keep them at least an hour long. Uh, You know, if you only have 45 minutes on a tough day, that's okay too. But yeah, maybe like a few times a week going out for one hour to, you know, whatever hours your training hike is. A lot of people, if you're in a place without a lot of great hikes, it might be shorter, two, three hours. If you're someplace like Colorado, where I live, we go out for like 10 hours, like no problem sometimes. And by the way, if all this exercise physiology stuff is making your head spin, you're like, I just can't digest this from a podcast. I just need it on like my computer screen or paper so I can look at it. In my course, Mountain Fit, I do dive deep into each of these energy systems, appropriate dosages, appropriate workouts to make sure you're getting the right dosage. So if dosage is an issue for you, definitely consider checking out that course. It's an amazing value. I think right now it's $147, which if you think about investing in your entire life of fitness and training for these mountain events, that's like nothing, right? You probably spend way more than that on a nice like rain jacket. So definitely, I think for those of you interested in learning more, a great investment. Well, friends, it's been so good to talk to you. I hope you're having an amazing start to your summer. You're getting excited about some of those climbs that are coming up. And yeah, definitely hit me on Instagram. If you have questions, I'm usually there hanging out most days. If you just want to connect and show me some of the cool pictures of some of the things you're doing. I love always seeing what y'all are doing in my Facebook group, of course. Another great place to hang out. You'll find the links to both of those in the show notes. And yeah, have a great week, y'all. I will see you next week right here. Hey, friend. If you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.